Let me say it one more time. Good morning, everyone. That's better. You're in the dark there, half falling asleep. I hope not. And I'm talking about giving today, so uh, you might want to go back to sleep. I don't know. <laughs> a farmer by the name of Muldoon lived in the Irish countryside. Uh, except for a, a pet dog he doted on, he was basically all alone. And then one day, poor Muldoon found his dead, his dog dead. And uh, because it was such a special dog, he went to the priest and he said, uh, Father, Father Patrick, I was wondering if you could possibly say a mass for my poor dead dog. And Father Patrick, a little bit indignant, said to the uh, poor farmer, No, we can't have a service for an animal in the church. It just wouldn't be right. But I'll tell you what. There's a new Protestant church down the road that'll just be happy to take in an animal and do anything you want. And uh, Muldoon said, I'll go right now. And, and by the way, Father, if I could just get some advice from you. Uh, do you think that uh, a donation of 50000 would be enough to, for a service like that? And the quick-thinking Father Patrick said, well, why didn't you tell me the dog was Catholic? <laughs> Now, uh, not a lot of people like this subject of giving. In fact, some people think that's all the church ever talks about. I want to just dispel some, uh, um, some false concepts that some of you may have. And here it is. God doesn't need your money. But I'll tell you what he does want is he wants your heart. And he wants to be your father. And as your father, he wants to provide for you and meet all your needs. How many would like to have God meet all their needs? Anybody? I know I would. And so here's the thing. God gives us in his word clear instructions, clear guidance about how he will, in fact, meet your needs and mine. So I, I want to say this before we go any further. The, the principle of giving, of sharing, according to the scripture, is maybe somewhat illogical and maybe doesn't make sense to you uh, intellectually. But I have to tell you this. The idea of giving according to the scripture is a, is a spiritual principle. And it's something that can only be understood and received by faith. And so I don't want anybody going away from here saying, well, the only way the pastor will let me come to this church is if I give money. That's not what I'm saying. My job to you today is to give you truth. Truth that will transform your life. Truth that will make your life better. My job as your pastor is to give you principles that will improve your life so that all your needs are met. And I don't know a person who doesn't want their needs met. Now, let me say this to you. There are a number of spiritual disciplines, spiritual exercises that all Christians ought to practice. Now, understand this. Uh, God, God knows that we are, are are not perfect. God knows that we are all growing and we are all at different phases and stages in our development, our spiritual development. But here's the thing. God gives us principles to live by so that we will, in fact, grow and become more mature. And one of those principles is the, is the principle of fellowship, fellowshipping with one another. Because the Bible is clear that whoever you hang out with is what you become like. Did you know that? You become like the people you hang with, plain and simple as that. 
And so God has, God knows that. And he gives us this principle to live by, the principle of fellowship. And he wants you and I to hang out with people who are like-minded, who have the same faith and the same philosophy and the same approach to life. Some, we, we sometimes call it small groups. We sometimes call it church. But God knows that you need to hang out with people who believe as you believe. There's also the, the discipline of prayer. You know I mention this almost every week. There's something that I say something about prayer. And I'm telling you this. If you don't talk to God, if you don't pour out your heart to God, if you don't pray, then you'll never grow spiritually. You'll never advance. There's also the discipline of Bible reading. Bible, The Bible, by the way, is God speaking to you and me, giving us direction and guidance for life. So we'll have a good life. How many know today that God's not a cosmic party pooper? You know that. God wants you to have a great life. And he gives us instructions in this book. And when you read this book on a daily basis, and when you begin to grow, your life becomes better. And you know, if I talk about fellowship, everybody's, yeah, pastor, that's it. Talk about that. That's good. Thumbs up on that one. And I talk about prayer. Thumbs up on prayer. Talk about, about reading the Bible. Thumbs up on Bible reading. And if I talk about fasting... Well, yeah, we could give a thumbs up to that pastor. I mean, uh, yeah, I could try try it out. One of these days I'm going to do it. I, I've done it in the past, and it's a good thing to do. It doesn't cost me anything <laughs> to fast, right? So, yeah, I, I can give a thumbs up to that. Uh, that's one of the disciplines. Another discipline is the discipline of witnessing, sharing our faith with other people, telling others what a difference Jesus made in our life. And some, most of us will say, yeah, I can give thumbs up to that. That's pretty, that's, that's pretty important, and I try to do it. But when it comes to giving... I don't get many thumbs up. People, unless they're great givers, are more like this. <laughs> I don't want to hear about that. And here's why. Because when I talk about the, the topic of giving, so often it creates a sense of guilt. Well, I want you to know today that I'm not trying to create guilt here because guilt is not useful in your spiritual development. How many know that today? In fact, God says he loves a cheerful giver and he wants you to be cheerful in your giving. And the reason he wants you to be cheerful in your giving is because we're talking about a relationship with him where we trust him and he provides for us. And I'm telling you, that is something to be cheerful about. That's something to rejoice about. That's something to be glad about. God's meeting my needs. God is my father. He cares for me. Now, my experience over the years is that people will not give or will give grudgingly, that is under guilt, They will not give or will give grudgingly if they are not practicing those other spiritual disciplines. The discipline of fellowship with other believers, the discipline of prayer, Bible reading, fasting, witnessing. They probably are not going to want to give. But you show me somebody who's faithful in prayer, faithful in the Word of God, faithful in calling out to God, perhaps fasting and witnessing. You show me somebody who is faithful in Bible reading, I'm going to show you somebody who's faithful in giving because it always goes hand in hand. Now, let me just show with, show you, uh, share with you a 3,000 year old provision principle. A three, it's this, this principle was written 3,000 years ago. That's a thousand years before Christ. Let's, let's take a look at that principle. And if you could, if you could read that with me, remember this is written 3,000 years ago and it's, uh, it's found in the Bible. This principle of giving that I'm sharing with you, the harvest principle, is an ancient, ancient biblical principle. And that's why I'm teaching it to you. That's why I'm sharing it with you. It's not because I want to get into your wallet or get into your pockets. Really just calm down. 
I'm just sharing truth with you. I'm sharing you with you what the Bible says. I'm not sharing you my opinion with you. I'm not sharing my own ideas or philosophy. This is not something I cooked up in my basement. This is from the Bible. And if you would read it with me, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. And so the writer of the Proverbs, Solomon, is making it very clear. By the way, Solomon is called the wisest man who ever lived. And this is what he's saying to those who want to be wise and want to live wise lives. He says, give God a portion of what he's given to you, and then you will have no need. Your barns will be filled to overflowing. Your vats will brim over with new wine. God will meet all your needs. This is a 3,000-year-old giving principle. And if you, if you operate by it, then you will, according to verse 10, you will be blessed. Now, if you cooperate with God's laws, then you're going to benefit from them. If you ignore these spiritual laws in your life, then you're the one that will be harmed or will, in fact, be frustrated because you haven't lived by it. You don't have to fully understand the laws of God. I know I sure don't. And I've been preaching for over 25 years. I don't fully understand it all, but I can tell you this, that I practice it. And you don't have to understand these laws in order to benefit from them. Did you know that? You don't have to understand it. You just have to do what it says. How many know that so often understanding comes after you begin to practice something? And that's what happens with giving. You don't have to fully understand the laws of God, but you do have to cooperate with them. And so I'm sharing with you a principle today that you can choose to ignore to your detriment, or you can choose to embrace, and by God's grace and his help, will help you live it out. Now, this law of the harvest is one of those time-tested principles, and it's simply this. You reap whatever you sow. How many, how many have, uh, have relatives that immigrated to Canada years ago? Anybody? There's three, there's four, there's six, there's seven, there's eight. Most of us here have relatives that immigrated here to Canada. My great-grandfather, Grandpa Ryshinsky, was, uh, was one of those immigrants from the Ukraine. Anybody else from the Ukraine? Anybody immigrants? Here? Yes, a few here. Yes, I see that hand. Anybody else? Yeah. We might be related. Who knows? <laughs> Anyways, Grandpa Ryshinsky came to Canada. They gave him a plot of land up near Ethelbert. Uh, not the best of land. It wasn't, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't, the, the land wasn't broken or prepared to be farmed. That's for sure. Grandpa had to get in there. Great grandpa had to get in there and he had to clear that land himself. And he was given some, some seed to plant. Now, Grandma, my, my grandmother tells me about what it was like when, when Grandpa Grandma Ryshinsky first came to Canada. Up, up in Ethelbert where it was freezing cold in the wintertime and there was nothing to eat. Or not much to eat. And Grandpa Ryshinsky had a choice to make. Either he takes and eats the seed that was given to him to plant and is able to feed his family through the winter. Or he takes that seed and waits until spring and plants it so that he can not only feed his family through a winter, but for the rest of their lives. This is the principle, the harvest principle. If you eat the seed that God has given to you, then God cannot meet your needs long term. You will constantly in that, constantly be in that state where you're without, where you're lacking, where you don't have enough, you don't have enough. Some of you are on that treadmill today. You're sitting here today and you'd say, boy, I sure know what that's like. Never seem to have enough, never have enough to make ends meet. 
I want to stop that madness in your life. I want to show you how you can get out of that crazy, crazy cycle. And you can begin to have blessing and provision on your life on a daily basis, on a yearly basis. The Bible shows us how. And so let me just share with you then the three truths about the laws of the harvest. And the first thing is this. You must look only to God as your source of supply. You must see God as the one who meets all your needs. And here's what we do so often is that we think we, we get confused between the channel of God's blessing and the source of God's blessing. What do I mean? What do I mean by that? Well, take your job, for instance. Your job, your boss, contrary to what you might think, is not the source of your provision in your life. That job, that boss, is only the channel through which God pours out his blessing in your life. Does that make sense? And so if you want to know God's blessing in your life, you need to stop worrying about your job. Stop worrying about your boss and get your eyes onto Jesus. Does this make sense today? This is what God wants. This is how God wants you to live. I'm going to tell you something right now. You will suddenly feel when you get your eyes on God and see him as a source of all your provision, you'll begin to feel the stress lift from your shoulders. And some of you are here today and you're very stressed out about your job and about about how you're going to make ends meet. God does not want you to live like that. He wants you to have joy in your heart and in your life. And so what God's calling you to do is he's calling you to look to him. And I know some of us say, oh, my, we're just so worried about our job and what the boss is going to say and what's this and what about that and the other thing. I want you to know today God is your source of provision. He will meet your need. Say you started looking for your job and, and, uh, and looking at your job as your source of income and, 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 and your source of provision. The next question then is this, is what if I lose my job? What will happen to me if I lose my job? And the answer to that, and don't, I don't think I'm saying this in a glib fashion, but the answer to what if I lose my job is, so what? And I can say so what because I know who is my provider. I know who the source is for my provision. It's not my boss and it's not the job I have. It's God. And I can tell you this. If God closes that door, he opens another door. If God closes that channel, he opens another channel. And some of you here today could say, yeah, that's right. That's exactly what happened to me, Pastor. I worried for nothing. I got stressed out for nothing. God wants to meet your need. God wants you to get ahead. Maybe you're starting, you're just starting out in life, just newly married. I don't know. You're saying, you know, I, I want to, I want to have the things that you're supposed to have. I want to have a nice house. I want to have a car. And I want to make sure that we can have kids. I want to provide for my kids. I want to make sure that, that, uh, that the kids have an education. Look at, look to God and watch what God will do. So you have, that's the beginning. That's the starting point. Looking to God and letting Him be the source of whatever it is that you need. And watch the stress levels go way down. Watch the burden be lifted from your shoulders. Can you say that today, by the way? God's the source of all that I need. You have to be able to say that. Because that, my friends, is the beginning of the supernatural at work in your life. I see, I hear people say to me all the time, I didn't, God, I pray nothing ever happens. How come, how come God doesn't answer my prayers? How come, how come God has blessed them but not blessing me? I'm, I'm going to tell you why. Because you're not giving God the opportunity to do the miraculous in your life. 
The starting point to see God move miraculously in your life is by getting your eyes on Him and on Him alone. Does this make sense this morning? Look to God and God alone and watch the miraculous take place. So you've got your eyes fixed on God. And the second point is this. Whenever I have a need, I plant a seed. Look at what the Bible says here. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. That's how it will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now, here's the thing. How many want God to bless them richly? Anybody? Three, six, eight, ten, nine. If you want to know God's blessing richly in your life, then learn how to give richly. Do you see what I'm saying? Because the Bible is... How many, how, how many believe the Bible is, is true? It, how many would say it was... 80% true, 90% true, 99% true, 100% true. Yeah, okay. Okay, now listen, you put your hands up. The Bible is clear that God will meet your need if you give and if you share and if you plant a seed when you have need. That's what the Bible says. Now, you put your hands up. You said you believe it was 100% true. Now, here's the thing that so often we do. We say we believe it, but we really don't because we're either lacking in faith or too afraid to take that step of faith. Look, I don't understand how it all works exactly, but I'll tell you this. I do know that when I'm in need, I plant a seed. When I'm in need, I give. And I watch the way God meets my needs in most Amazing ways. Now, God says that when we give, it demonstrates faith. And I'm going to tell you, this is demonstrated throughout life. My father-in-law has uh, won awards for giving blood. He has given, I think, probably 50 liters uh, over the years. He's got all kinds of, I mean, he looks like a general. (laughs) All his awards for giving blood. And I can tell you that he's not running on empty. Every time, you know, every time he gives a, a liter of blood, that blood replenishes itself. I'm going to tell you that. That's the same thing with your life. Whenever you give, God replenishes whatever it is that you have given. And my father-in-law has made it possible for many, many to live because of his willingness to share his blood. And by the way, he's got that blood type, which is the best blood type, the one that can be used universally. I'm going to tell you something today. Let the Spirit of God speak to your heart. The way that you are going to know God's provision in your life, the way that you're going to know the supernatural at work in your life, the way that you're going to know miracles in your life is that when you take that massive step of faith and say, okay, this doesn't make sense to me, but because God's Word says it, I'm going to take that step and I'm going to give and I'm going to believe that God's going to meet my need. Do you remember the story of the little boy and the feeding of the 5,000? Remember that? Remember that story in the Bible? Little boy, five loaves, two fish. So Jesus has been teaching through the countryside, and there are literally thousands of people following him, and they don't want to miss anything. They don't want to go home. They want to just keep going with him wherever he goes. And he's wandering through the, through the countryside, and he's preaching and teaching, and these people have been with him for three days now. And... Um, and Jesus could see they're hungry, and he doesn't want to send them away starving. 
He doesn't want to see them fainting. I mean, can you imagine what the Pharisees would do with that? Followers of, of Jesus drop dead from hunger. <laughs> Just doesn't work. And so Jesus says, I, we got to feed these people. He's, he's moved with compassion, with great and deep love. And he says to his disciples, I want you to go amongst the people and see if you can find some food that we can share with everybody. Now, the disciples are scratching their head and thinking, Jesus, what are you thinking? How, go amongst the people and find some food that we can share with everybody? Disciples go back and forth. They, they can't find anybody willing to give up their lunch. Nobody wants to share what they've got, except for a little boy who's got five loaves and two fishes. Now, do you ever think about why it was a, it was a little boy that was giving up his five loaves and two fishes? I could, I could tell you why. Because the adults who actually packed a lunch are saying, if they're too stupid to forget to pack a lunch, and they deserve to starve. If they're too stupid to pull up their, their own bootstraps, they deserve to go hungry. If they're too stupid to go and get an education, if, if they're too lazy to go get a job, if they're too, you know, you know what I'm talking about, right? Because that's what we're like. Those who are in need, we're just really quick to gang up on them and, and talk about how stupid they're and how lazy and how uneducated and, and on and on it goes. And so it was a little boy with five loaves and two fish that said, hey, I'll, I'll, I'll give you my food. And I love, I love that about kids. I mean, in fact, remember Jesus? When asked, asked about uh, who's going to be great in the kingdom, and when asked what it means to have true faith, Jesus takes a little child and says, here's a child. Here's an example of, of what it means. Here's an example of what it really means to have faith. So this little boy, great faith. He says, I'll give my food. I'll take a risk. I'll take that, that crazy step of faith. I'll, I'll give it up to feed 5,000. He has no idea how it's going to happen. But you see, because he's a child and he's not jaded by life and by the opinions of others, he's willing to say, yes, I'm going to take the step of faith. I believe God can do a miracle. Are you like a child today? Do you have that kind of faith? And so this little boy steps up with his food and says, here, Jesus, take it, use it. Now, Jesus takes that boy's food. Now, can you just, can you just hear the crowds? The shrill cried. How could Jesus do that? How could he take food from a little boy? You can hear that, can't you? How could they take food from that little boy? This is, this is unjust. This is not right. This is wrong. How often we're like that. How could Pastor Allen ask poor people to give? Pastor Allen's asking poor people to give and rich people to give. He's asking everybody to give because Pastor Allen reads in the word that it's the best thing for you. It's the best thing for you because Pastor Allen wants to see your needs met. And those who want to know their needs met have got to be a people who take that step of faith like that little child and say, here's my lunch. Take it and use it. And so Jesus takes and breaks it and blesses it, and then he uses it. I want you to know that's a spiritual law. That's something God wants to do with every person here today. Not just for me, but for every single person sitting here today. God wants to take you. He wants to break you, bless you, and then use you to make a, to be a blessing to other people. Jesus multiplied a little into a lot because it was planted as a seed. And folks, that's exactly what we had, saw happen here on Friday night. We saw people come together, didn't have very much. Many of us don't have very much, but with our little $50, we put it into the pot and watch it grow so that we came up with $24,000 to help little children in Africa 
who don't have parents or grandparents to care for them or meet their needs. This is the way God works. I hear people say, you know, if God was a loving God, he wouldn't allow this and he wouldn't allow that. But you see, God is a loving God, and he's called you and me to partner with him in caring for and meeting the needs of this broken and hurting world. And when you don't step up to the plate like that little boy with your five loaves and two fishes, then people go hungry. If you want to see the miraculous take place in your life, then take take that step of faith and watch what God will do in your life. If you want to see the supernatural at work in your life, in your marriage, in your family, in your community, at at work, then take the step of faith and start to give, start to share. Some of you, if you brought a a box of donuts to work, your workmates would drop down dead, just be shocked out of their tree. What's he up to? What's she up to? Start being a giver and watch your world be turned upside down. The law of the harvest says I must look to God alone as my source of supply. The the law of the harvest says that whenever I, I have a need, I must plant a seed. And the law of the harvest is this, that if you plant a seed, that without question, you can expect a harvest in your life. You will see your needs met. Now, can I just say this before I go any further? Your needs will be met not necessarily the way you expect them to be met but they will be met. God will move in ways that you cannot even begin to imagine. Look what it says in Malachi 3.10. It says, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. Here's the thing, my friends. God has made a promise, and he's saying, Test me. See if I won't keep my promise. Give, and I will give to you. Trust me. That's what what God's saying. And watch what I will do in your life. Now, the question is this. Why why can I expect a harvest? Because I know some of you are sitting here thinking today, well, you know, I don't deserve this. I don't deserve to be provided for. I don't deserve to have miracles in my life because I'm just not that great a Christian. I'm not as good as, as other people. Can I just tell you something right now? If you give, you can expect a harvest in your life, not because you deserve it, but because of who God is. God is your father. And as your father, he loves you and he delights in meeting your needs. That's what we read in Matthew 7, 9 to 11. This is what Jesus says. He says, Jesus says this, listen, if you being evil, and everybody here today has got evil in them. How many know that? And you're being transformed. And uh, some may have more evil than others. I don't know. But I'm not looking at anybody. <laughs> but Jesus says, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more does a perfect father know how to give good gifts to you? And if you ask for a fish, is he going to give you a serpent? If you ask for bread, is he going to give you a rock? No. God is good and he loves you and he wants to meet your needs. And so some, one of the things that we've done, we've, we've done for our, our children is we've taught them the importance of giving. And I'm so proud of my, my eldest son who now is working full time and he gives faithfully. It's the first thing he does. Well, guess what? I don't ever have to worry about, about him. I don't have to worry about, 
about whether he'll have enough or whether he'll have a job or not, because I do know this. Because he's taken that step of faith and has given 10% off the top of his income to the work of God, I know that I know that I know that God will provide for him and meet his every need. Parents, that might be the best thing you ever teach your kids. Even if you struggle with it, teach your kids to do it. Teach them when they're young because it's so much easier to tithe when you're young than when you're older. Would anybody say amen to that? It's not easy to do as you get older. Teach your kids now. And I'm telling you, you'll never have to worry about them living in your basement until they're 45 and 50. You won't have to worry about them eating your out of house and hold because you will have taught them how to trust God as their source and you will not be their source. Do you see what I'm saying today? This is how God wants to provide and meet the needs of his children. On Friday night, we had the fundraiser for Africa. And, uh, you know, the, the devil knows how to, how to discourage you and how to try to get you off track. And, you know, it, it always happens. Every time we have an event like this, someone will say something stupid like, you know, we shouldn't be sending money off to Africa. and We've got things around here that need to be done. Someone was saying, why do we have the sign changed then? Why, why isn't the name change completed? Because it costs money. There's a, why isn't the cafe finished? Because it costs money. How come we still got this stained carpet? Because it costs money. I'm going to tell you this. When, you stand before, when we stand before God someday, he's not going to say, did you keep that building I gave you in good shape? He's not going to be, how come you didn't paint the windows? How come you didn't paint the walls and keep the windows clean? He's not going to be asking that. Who's going to ask? What did you do? What did you do for the little ones? What did you do for the least? What did you do for those little children who didn't have a mom and a dad and a grandpa and a grandma to care for them and meet their needs? That's what we're going to have to give an account for when we get to heaven. And so we raised twenty-four thousand. Now, if you were here, you'll notice that. Uh, when we made the announcement of how much money we raised, we flashed $22,000 on the screen. And then someone ran around to the back and said, no, 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 it's 23. So we put up 23. And then, then Don at the back there yelled, no, it's 24. And so finally we, we came up with a number. It was 24000 that came in because people just kept on giving even after we'd finished the offering. And it stopped at 24000 After we were done... Sergio, Sergio and, and some of us went out for coffee. And um, just before we went, he said to me, Do you know, Alan, it costs $12,000 a year to run an orphanage. And then all of a sudden, the Lord reminded me that this church, in past banquets, by the way, this is the decorations from the banquet on Friday. In past banquets, we built an orphanage for young children and another orphanage for teenagers. And, and suddenly I realized that on Friday, we, we raised not 22, not 23, but 24,000, enough to provide for the kids in those two orphanages that we built for one whole year. And I thought, you know what? It's glamorous to build a building with bricks and mortar. We can look back and see, that's what we did. Ha, ha, ha. Weston House, as it's called. We haven't changed the name to Cross House yet. <laughs> Weston House. Oh, it's exciting to see what we've done. But let me tell you this. That orphanage number one 
will not be somehow transported into heaven, and orphanage number two will not be transported into heaven, and the classrooms we built in the years before that will not be transported into heaven, but the kids who are in those houses and who are trained in those classrooms, they are the ones who will be going to heaven. They are the ones who are going to transform their nation. They are the ones who have had the seed of God's truth planted in their hearts, and they are the ones that are going to transform a nation because we were faithful in giving and in sharing. What a blessing it is when we say, God, we don't know how we're going to do it, but we are going to show up for duty and we're going to do whatever it is that you call us to do. Now, I, I didn't share this with too many people yet. I shared it with the first, uh, in the first service this morning. I'm going to share it with you now. Sergio confided to me in the afternoon, Friday afternoon before the, the banquet, that one of his, one of the five orphanages, or one of the five villages, because they've got villages, five villages in Africa, one of the five villages was having tremendous problems with their water system. And it was leaking terribly, and they needed it replaced. And um, he said, you know, Alan, sometimes I just lay awake at night just wondering how on earth we're ever going to meet all these needs. He says, I need $3.5 million a year to care for these five villages. Sometimes he says, my wife looks at me and sees a funny look on my face. And she knows now to ask, not to ask what's wrong, Sergio, because she knows that I'm praying and I'm thinking about how we're going to get $3.5 million to provide for all these kids. And I thought to myself, Lord, this is amazing. Sergio's main concern right now is a water system for one of his villages. And I just happened to be born into a family of plumbers. <laughs> and so I decided that uh, that night I was going to I was going to put I was going to put uh, name tags at each of the at each of the seats at our table. And you know what I did? I put Sergio Right beside my brother, who has a plumbing company. <laughs> and they got talking together that night. And he shared with Carrie when he found out that Carrie has a, was a plumbing contractor. More accurately, a mechanical contractor because he does big stuff, not residential stuff. The kind of stuff that Sergio needs. Carrie and Sergio sat there over supper and talked about how they could meet the need of that village. We went out for breakfast the next day, and Carrie had the whole thing sorted out. And he said to Sergio over breakfast, just hours before he went back to BC, he said, uh, yeah, I'll come over, I'll bring some of my plumbers with me, and we'll get that water system in. And I thought, God, you are so good. We, we planted a seed. We opened the door, and we said, God, here we are. We're willing to be used. And not only that, do we raise 24000 to provide for, for the children in two orphanages for a whole year, but now in God's unique way, he has provided a water system with a water tower for a whole village. And it happened because we were willing to say, God, here we are, use us. We're willing to plant a seed. We're willing to have a banquet. We're willing to take the, make the effort to raise some funds. And so, fact, in fact, uh, what came out of this banquet on Friday night was not just twenty-four thousand dollars, 
but it's closer to uh, to almost $50,000 when you take into consider that water system. I'm telling you, friends, I live for this. This is my favorite time of the year, better even than Christmas. We can come together and link arms and say we are going to make a difference in the world. I want to encourage you today, get your eyes on God as a source of your provision. And if you find yourself in need, plant a seed and then expect a harvest in your life. Watch what God will do. He will provide for you and you will experience miracles in your life in ways you cannot even imagine. And then when you experience that miracle, would you come and tell me about it? I want to tell you one more thing that I didn't tell the people this morning. Someone came to me after the service and said to me, Pastor, I don't know, I don't know why this is, but God is telling me that I need to give $1,000 to somebody. And I don't, I don't want them to know about it, but I know I need to give it. It's, 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 it just felt so strongly about it this morning after you preached. And he says, do you know of anybody that needs it? And it just so happened that for a whole week, whole, the whole, this whole past week, there's a family that's been on my mind. And I said, I absolutely, I absolutely do have somebody for you. I didn't even have to think about it because God already told me who it was. And I was able to tell that person that they have $1,000 to help them. That's, that's how God works. That's the kind of miracles that God wants to perform. And this family that, that I felt needed the blessing is a family that has been generous way above and beyond anything you can imagine. That's what God wants to do in your life. He wants to do the miraculous in your life. He wants to meet the need. But you first have to plant the seed. Let's see that video clip, Taryn.